The Tower of London is apparently one of the most haunted sites in the world. The ghosts of Anne Boleyn, Lady Jane Grey and Thomas Beckett are said to wander the grounds and buildings of the tower. The yeoman warders, former soldiers who are presumably not prone to flights of fancy, have had many ghostly experiences. Some of the on-site soldiers from the Guards Regiment have also had ghostly encounters. Join us this week as we explore the Tower of London on True Hauntings. Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. And welcome back, and to the studio for another week and catch up. I'd also just like to take this moment, just doing a segue, yeah. to say thank you to all those beautiful people who have been sending us messages on Facebook via our Facebook page, which is True Hauntings. You can find it on there, to tell us how much they're enjoying our yes. podcast. Oh, thank you so very, very much. Oh, you guys keep us going and we do read it personally <laughs> and we do respond to you personally. It's mm-hmm. not a an assistant or anything. It's either myself or Renata that's responding to you. I had one lovely lady who put a complaint in. She was from Canada and she said that she would like to complain that there's not enough episodes because <laughs> yes, she's now true. run out. That is true. <laughs> We're doing our best to crack one out every week, even though sometimes it's a little tricky. Yes, there's only so much research you can do when it comes to these podcasts. You just run out of time. And because we are really pushing them out every week, we are limited with the time that we can spend because all of them have a little bit of the rabbit hole effect where you go down this story and you just want to know more and more and more. But yes, we are doing our best. And thank you so very, very much, as Anne said, to all of those beautiful people who are leaving messages. But we have a story to tell as we do every week, Miss Anne. So let's get to the bones of it. One Saturday night in October, 1817, about the witching hour, I was at supper with my then wife, our little boy, and her sister in the sitting room of the Jewel House, which is said to have been the doleful prison of Anne Boleyn and of the ten bishops who Oliver Cromwell piously accommodated therein. The room was irregularly shaped, having three doors and two windows, which last are cut nearly nine feet deep into the outer wall. Between these is a chimney piece projecting far into the room and surmounted with a large oil pitcher. On the night in question, the doors were all closed. Heavy and dark cloth curtains were let down over the windows and the only light in the room was that of two candles on the table. I sat at the foot of the table, my son on my right hand, his mother fronting the chimney place and her sister on the opposite side. 
I had offered a glass of wine and water to my wife when, on putting it to her lips, she paused and exclaimed, Good God, what is that? I looked up and saw a cylindrical figure, like a glass tube, seemingly about the thickness of my arm and hovering between the ceiling and the table. Its contents appeared to be a dense, fluid, white and pale azure, like to the gathering of a summer cloud and incessantly rolling and mingling within the cylinder. This lasted about two minutes when it began to slowly move before my sister-in-law. Then, following the oblong shape of the table, before my son and myself, passing behind my wife, and it paused for a moment over her right shoulder. Instantly, she crouched down with both hands covering her shoulder. She shrieked out, "'Oh, Christ, it has seized me!' Even now, while writing, I feel the fresh horror of that moment. I caught up my chair, struck at the wainscot behind her, rushed upstairs to the other children's room and told the terrified nurse what I had seen. Meanwhile, the other domestics had hurried into the parlour, where their mistress recounted to them the scene, even as I was detailing it above stairs. I am bound to add that shortly before this strange event... Some young lady residents in the tower had been, I know not where, suspected of making phantasmagorical experiments at their windows, which, be it observed, had no command whatever on any windows in my dwelling. An additional sentry was accordingly posted so as to overlook any such attempt. Happen, however, as it might following hard at heel the visitation of my household. One of the night sentries at the jewel office was, as he said, alarmed by a figure like a huge bear issuing from under the door. He thrust at it with his bayonet, which stuck in the door, even as my chair dinted the wainscot. He dropped in a fit and was carried senseless to the guard room. His fellow sentry declared that the man was neither asleep nor drunk, he himself having seen him the moment before, awake and sober. All of this I avouched nothing more than that I saw the poor man in the guard's house prostrated with terror, and that in two or three days of the fatal result, be it of fact or of fancy, he died. Let it be understood that to all which I have herein set forth as seen by myself, I absolutely pledge my faith and my honour. And have you been to the Tower of London? I have, but it was so long ago that I really can't remember much. Oh, dear. How many years ago, you reckon? Oh, maybe... 30? Oh, my goodness. That is a long time ago. It is. I was two at the time. (laughs) I swear to God. (laughs) I have also been to the Tower of London. Oh. And it was only a couple of years ago. It was 1990 for me. Mm, Wow. Yeah, I'm that old. Mm. I know you can't tell from my voice, can you? You can from hers. Yay, I got one in. Uh, I set myself up for that. You did. Now, when I went to the Tower of London, it was something that was on my bucket list to do. The only thing that I hadn't 
anticipated was that it was also on the bucket list of about 30,000 other people <laughs> that same day. <laughs> and so we walked in. I was there with my other travel buddy, Gail, who shall not be mentioned. Oh. Hi, Gail. And we walked in and it seemed to be awfully quiet and I thought, this is going to be okay. I can handle this. And then around the corner I come and there is just a mass of humanity. Yeah, it's like a production line, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. That's what I do remember is that you were basically in this big queue that you had to wander around in a certain way and there was no really time to have a quiet moment. No. Another thing I wasn't anticipating and we don't think about here in faraway Australia is that these places over in England are open to school excursions. Oh, no. But these school excursions aren't just in Britain, are they? No, they are from overseas. Oh, so you had Europe there as well. So they come in under the water, I guess, in in the tunnel, down through the tunnel. Oh, I thought maybe they might have taken a plane. (laughs) They might. They might take a plane. The channel? Is it the channel? The channel tunnel. And then you have these groups of, or when I was there, there were French and German and Spanish. That's who I remember. French and German and Spanish school children who are as abhorrent as any English-speaking child, but they're speaking a different language, Mm. aren't they? And do you know how much they want to be there? Yeah, no. No. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. Yep. (laughs) And so you have this horrendous cacophony of voices and children and people and teachers who are trying to keep them all together because heaven help you getting lost in there. It's still a huge place. And, of course, us poor little mere mortals are standing in line behind them going, this isn't a good thing to be doing. This is hell on earth. (laughs) This is a monstrous thing. So I dare say that I loved the tower but I would love it even more if we had an opportunity to go in when it was a quieter time. But does anyone get the opportunity to do that? I don't know. Only the people that live there. Are there ghost tours in the tower? You'll have to wait and see. We could start one. (laughs) We could do one. (laughs) Anyway, let me tell you a little bit of a history, and I, I don't want to bore everyone with the history, but it does go back to around the 1070s. That's that's a pretty long time. <laughs> that's even older than you. <laughs> I know. Something that's older than me. And it all starts with William the Conqueror. And, of course, he was fresh from a victory and decided, well, what better thing to do than build a tower in my name so that people can see it from far away and it can be at a point in London where everyone will know that this was created for moi, William the Conqueror, and I am so amazing. And thus he did. So the tower took about 20 years to build and they brought masons in from Normandy, stone from France, and it provided actually a lot of labour for the Englishmen. So they got they got a bit of work out of it. Now, along comes Henry III, about 1216 to 1272, and then Edward I, couple of years after that, and they expanded the tower. They put in defensive walls and a series of smaller towers and they enlarged the moat because, of course, one must have a moat. 
Oh, yes. To put the dragons in. Oh, okay. I thought it was just to throw the poo and the wee out the window. No. You put the dragons in the moat. Because I know if there was poo and wee in the moat, I would not cross it. (laughs) Just saying. They they need to put that that drawbridge down and I'd be walking across. There was no way I'd wade across there. I think it's the ultimate defence. Henry VIII in the 1500s decreed that he would then, of course, because all the kings and queens lived there, add on and do bits and pieces to it. And, of course, he also instigated the famous yeoman warders and they are recognised as symbols of the tower all over the world now and have been for many centuries. So they were originally part of the yeoman of the guard and they were the monarch's personal bodyguards and travelled with him everywhere. And... They are called the beef eaters. Now, yes. do you know why they were called the beef eaters? They like to eat beef. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I'm so clever. I must be sidekick. So they were permitted to eat as much beef as they wanted from the king's table. Ah, oh. Mm, there you go. That's an interesting bit of trivia, Renata. Yes, Thank you for I, sharing that. I've collected a tiny little bit of trivia along the way. So kings and queens lived in the luxurious apartments of the tower. They worshipped at the chapel royal and there was also at some period of time, about 100 years I think, a menagerie of exotic animals or a zoo that was within the tower walls because visiting monarchs would bring with them some exotic animal. A little gift. And and say, there you go. Or zebra. (laughs) Or zebra. Lions. Here's a couple of lions for you. What do you do with lions? How about a peacock? Yeah, there were a few of those. The lions probably ate them. <laughs> and so there was an exotic zoo inside this beautiful tower for many, many years. The White Tower was named the White Tower for a <gasps> Let me guess. very interesting <laughs> reason. <laughs> Let me guess. Yeah, go ahead. It, it was pink. <laughs> Maybe white? True. Oh, jeez, I'm a genius. <laughs> oh, my I'm God. A genius. It was whitewashed, and from that moment on it was called the White Tower. Amazing. They were so good with names back then. Very <laughs> I witty. I know. So, And there was also actually a royal palace south of the White Tire. What? <laughs> <laughs> the White Tire is what goes around my waist. <laughs> The White Tower, but it was torn down because Henry VIII modernised the rooms inside uh, to prepare for the coronation of his new bride, one of many, Anne Boleyn. Yeah, if you don't like that one, just cut off a head and get another. (laughs) Well, he did. Anne Boleyn in 1533, and she and the king feasted in these beautiful rooms. I'm sure they did more than feast. Yes. And this was the night before Anne It's another F F word, you know. In triumph through the city of London to Westminster. She tried to talk over the top of me. (laughs) I think think they may have also. It's fornication. Fornication. I was going to say (laughs) fart, but okay, whatever. (laughs) Your your mind obviously went down to the gutter. Fornication. It's one of the few places they can go to their room and fart without embarrassment. So I'm done. Do you know what? What that? No, I won't go there <laughs> because there's an actual explanation of what that the four-letter word comes from. Yeah, you'd better tell me now. You've started it. It's it's actually fornication under the consent of the king. Oh, you had to get a written approval for intercourse for intercourse at one stage. 
Jeez, he'd be signing. He'd have RSI with all the signatures <laughs> going out there. Oh, it's another interesting bit of trivia. There Thank you, go. Renata. There you go. Okay, so three years later, Anne was back in the tower. This time. Not this Anne. No, no. Anne Boleyn. Anne Boleyn. This time she was accused of adultery and treason. Yeah, we'll whip that up. Yeah. And she actually stayed in the same luxurious lodgings before they stuck a sword in her. Yeah, well, this is the what they were referring to in this ghost story is that where the family were living, that was her rooms. Yes, Yes. So the chapel is perhaps best known as the burial place of some of the famous tower prisoners. They kind of dug a hole and chucked them in and then they moved them out of there later on. Dug them up later and replaced them? Yeah. Very nice. So that includes the three queens of England. I'm having visions of, what's that movie, Poltergeist, where they buried all the people in the backyard and then they started popping Mm. up in the the pool when it was raining. Do you know they use real skeletons (laughs) in that? Yes. I read the that. poor actors <laughs> were mortified when these things started. And they're going, oh, by the way, they're real. So those looks of shock and horror are not acting. That's like, oh my god, that's a real dead body. My goodness. So, oh, sorry, I threw yeah, you off. You the, off the your three, game there. The three queens that were buried in the famous town. <laughs> three queens. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, <laughs> let's let's just tower. <laughs> no, we've lost her. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just going to take a moment to uh, make sure that you like our podcast and share it around while she get, regains her composure. I don't even think I did it this time. I think she's done it to herself. <laughs> take a breath. Your glasses are fogging up. <laughs> Well, thank you for those inspiring two words we managed to get out of you then. Yes. Uh, Catherine, someone, Howard. <laughs> and, and Jane Grey, I can't see. Okay. All of whom were executed within the tower in the 16th century. So Henry VIII's wives were all accused of adultery and treason and Lady Jane Grey was the unfortunate pawn in a plot to replace Mary I. Blessed soul, she was only like 16 or 17. It was just so wrong. Henry VIII was a dick anyway. he had a wandering willy. That was his problem. So, yes, after their execution, their headless bodies were buried quickly and carelessly under the chapel without any memorial. Let's stick them just there. And later on, of course, they were dug up and placed somewhere a little bit more special. Yeah, given a better better burial. Mm. Now, I know you're going to tell a lot of stories or ghost stories, so I'm just going to touch on these very, very briefly. So we've got Anne Boleyn and she stalks the site. No, 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 you're not allowed to tell the ghost stories. I'll I'll just say she stalks the site. There is an Arbella Stewart, the cousin of Elizabeth I, who was starved. So she's there as well. There's two little ghosties, the two princes in the tower, and... I'm going to leave you with all of those stories to tell in okay. a moment. But one of the most famous legends of the tower surrounds the ravens. Oh, yes. Tell me about the ravens. awesome. Because I've got nothing on the ravens, so the tell sto- us all about them. The story goes that should the ravens leave the tower, both it and the kingdom will fall. Ooh. So they have a special raven master, a yeoman warder who is known as the raven master, and he looks after the ravens. And they've got one chained to the wall in there so it can never leave. So. <laughs> They'll never, they'll never fall. The Raven Master has his own Facebook page. 
Oh. And he's got a bazillion followers. Oh, I think I've seen it actually. And there is a new Raven Master now because I remember watching it from since I visited and there was an older Raven Master and I think he either retired or I think that's what they do, they retire because mm-hmm. they live on site. Mm-hmm. And then now there's a new Raven Master and he, he'll come on and say, hello, children. Hello, children. What are the ravens doing today? And they all have names and he feeds them and he'll have them on his shoulders and he'll talk and, you know. Can you imagine that in your resume? I know. The raven master. I know. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) Isn't that awesome? But it's good. So these birds have one flight feather trimmed to stop them from flying away. Yeah, I told you they kept them chained to the (laughs) blasted castle. So the the legend of the raven says that if the six ravens ever leave the Tower of London, the tower and the kingdom will fall. It is unknown where the legend comes from, though some believe it may come from a Welsh legend where a giant's head was buried under White Hill in London to guard against invaders. King Charles II is responsible for maintaining the legend of the ravens, and today there are, are seven official ravens kept in the tower. I've got a spare. Mm-hmm. There are the six that the legend says must remain and another, just in case something happens to one of the six. So they've got an extra, yep. I reckon they've got a few. Yeah. I, 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 if, if I was smart, I'd have a whole stack out the back somewhere. <laughs> in the chook shed. Full of them cactus. Off the perch. So <laughs> <laughs> a quick replacement and you'd never know the difference because they all look the same. Oh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all called Merlin, just in case. <laughs> so, yes, the ravens have one wing clipped. And this doesn't hurt them, but it unbalances them so they can't fly very far. Even so, some have managed to fly away. Oh, I'll bet you they were hunted down and killed. <laughs> and others have been dumped from their position of official raven. Oh, oh. they're not good enough. <laughs> you can't. You, oh, okay. They, they weren't keeping their social appearances up and therefore got dumped. Now, well, Raven George used to eat TV antennas <laughs> and was relocated to a Welsh zoo. <laughs> TV and Raven Grog flew away after 21 years and was last seen outside a pub in the East End. Giving him the <laughs> giving him the bird. <laughs> and the Tower of London has a raven breeding program to make sure there will always be ravens at the tower. So did they have to get that signed by the king that they're allowed to oh, I don't know. breed them? Don't know. And yes, the ravens are housed next to Wakefield's Tower and looked after by the Yeoman Warder Raven Master. And guys, look up the Facebook page of the Raven Master. It is enormously, enormously just delightful. Now, another little piece of trivia for you. Oh, yay. The wardrobe tower was built between 1190 and 1199 during the reign of King Richard I. Now, Richard ruled for 10 years but spent about nine and a half years in other countries and he made William Longchamp the Chancellor of England. Longchamp built the wardrobe tower and the wardrobe tower was built to store clothing, jewels and other personal items belonging to the royal family. Clothing was originally kept in the toilet area known as the garderobe. Oh, the, the smel- toilet? The toilet area. The smell of the toilet was said to keep away moths that would eat the clothes. <laughs> oh God, it keeps away everybody. Clothing for royalty and the rich nobles was expensive. Now, this is why over time the word wardrobe became used as a place to store clothing. 
Right. Garderobe. Yep. Right, garderobe. But wouldn't their clothing smell like poo and urine? But I don't think they really washed. I suppose they doused themselves in perfumes. They they really didn't. Well, I don't. Well, that's where the use of perfumes came from, was to mask the smell of the fact that they didn't wash their clothes or were unable to wash their clothes often or their bodies. They didn't like mm. the whole thing about the pommies don't like having a bath. Mm. I think it's just too cold because mm. that's what I'm finding at the moment. Every time I go to have a shower, I'm like, oh, that's mm. a little chilly, Willie. That's true. I, I just, yeah, their clothing must have really gotten in the way. Mm. Now, I'll just tell you a little bit more about the Tower of London and the zoo that was there, because that's really interesting. So in 1264, King Henry III created a zoo in the Tower of London. The zoo remained for almost 600 years. Wow. I was wrong. I said 100. It was 600. And visitors would come and leave gifts. Now they leave a lot of jewellery and money and stuff like that. But beforehand, they would leave exotic animals. So over the years, the Tower of London was home to lions, tigers, bears, oh my. a polar bear, kangaroos, elephants, a golden eagle, an ostrich, a baboon and many other animals. So Henry III built a lion tower near the front entrance and housed lions there. Visitors were often greeted by roaring animals. And now there are two wonderful little statues created of two lions that sit at the gate there, which are quite amazing. I've I've seen reconstructions of, of what the cages for these poor animals looked like, mm-hmm. and they were atrocious. Oh, just tiny, were they? Tiny and underground, and I, I dare say they would have let them out in the moat area. In the poo and the wee? Well, when there was no water in the moat, obviously. <laughs> I'm sure there are more people. Oh, they, they didn't, more people out there that know more about this than I yeah, do. Yeah, look, they didn't have, they didn't think of that sort of thing. I suppose back then they weren't thinking of animals' rights and well-being. It was just like, oh, isn't that pretty? Let's just put that in a cage and look at it occasionally and poke it with a stick. <laughs> so it does true. something. So the zoo at the tower was actually still there in 1804, because that's when it was open to the public. So it was originally for the kings and queens, their guests and their visitors. And then in 1804, it was opened to the public and it became a very popular attraction. In 1834 to 35, London Zoo was built in Regent's Park and most of the animals were taken to the new zoo. Thank goodness. Some were sold off to circuses and to other countries. Most of Lion Tower was demolished and the zoo in the tower closed. Thank goodness. And, yes, the Tower of London has sculptures throughout the grounds of the animals that once lived there. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap? Read a book? Or just show up for a friend. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However... There are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. 
when I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash P60. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on, and if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. BetterHelp.com slash P60. There's a link for it on today's program guide. Well, let's get into the ghosts, yes, shall we? let's get into the ghosts. <sighs> so apparently there's 13 spirits oh, that are... lucky 13. ...most often reported. Mm-hmm. Mm, are we ready to count them down? Mm-hmm. Well, the first one, of course, is Anne Boleyn. Mm-hmm. Now, she was the second wife of Henry VIII and is probably the most famous ghost in the tower. As you said, she was accused of adultery and incest. Ooh. Did you know that little bit? No. Supposed to be incest with her brother, George. I think they've made some movies about that, but never mind. Yeah, they probably made it up too. So she was beheaded in 1536. Now, shortly before her execution, she told the crowd not to blame her husband, who she knew had invented these charges it was just so that he could remarry because he was trying to get a male heir mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she hadn't produced any mm-hmm. heirs if I remember correctly so she's normally seen near the site of her execution which is now the Queen's house a house Henry built for Anne and near the altar in the chapel where her body now lies. Mm-hmm. One guard tells the story of seeing a hooded figure approach him in the rooms of the tower. Despite orders to stop, the figure advanced, leading the guard to run it through with his bayonet. At that point, the guard realised the figure was missing its head. Oh. Imagine it just That's went straight scary. through into nothing. That's scary. So once again, this is an assumption that he's made that it was Anne Boleyn. Mm-hmm. But it was a hooded figure, so he didn't see. And missing a head. So Mm -hmm. how do you know what she looked like? Mm -hmm. Maybe the only way they realised it was females because there was probably curvature Mm -hmm. and bumps. Anyway, let's get on to the next one. Oh, Henry VI. Now, he met his end almost Game of Thrones style. Wasn't that exciting? In in what way? What they do? They poison him? Well, hang on, let me get through all the story here. So he's the only child of Henry V, and he stood to inherit the English and the French thrones. Mm -hmm. Yet Henry's life was plagued by royal skirmishes. In 1471, as the War of the Roses raged through England, Henry VI was imprisoned by the House of York 
at the Tower of London because there was all these battles over who was going to be king all the time. Mm -hmm. So initial reports claim that Henry died broken-hearted of illness in the Tower, but it's more likely to be a little bit more sinister than that. Mm -hmm. Soon after Richard of York's son Edward seized control of the throne after the Battle of Tewkesbury, the newly minted ruler allegedly called for Henry VI's assassination and he was stabbed to death as he knelt in prayer in the Wakefield Tower. Mm. Now, what was that one? There was another one that was stabbed. Oh, that was the bloody chapel in mm-hmm. Lep Castle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was a priest. Anyway, the anniversary of his death, his ghost is said to appear pacing around the exact spot where he met his grisly end. Uh, and at the last stroke of midnight, he disappears. Now, if he appears every year at that exact time, wouldn't he be setting up a whole heap of cameras and capturing that? Uh, yes. Yes. If, if, if he's that regular, mm-hmm. I'd like to see that footage. Mm-hmm. Me too. Mm, just something to think about there. <laughs> All right, now this one. This is the 16-year-old that you were talking about. So this is Lady Jane Grey and her husband, Lord Guilford Dudley. Oh. Oh, yes, right, rather. So apparently her relatives, this young lady, convinced her that she was the rightful heir to the throne. So once again, we're battling over who is going to be the heir. Yep. And on that day, she basically signed her death warrant because what's what's the other people who are in line going to do? They're going to get rid of her. She was the great-granddaughter of Henry VII, and a group of men tried to put Jane forward as the rightful queen. But Henry VIII's daughter, Mary I, oh my God, this is confusing, had other ideas. When she married Philip of Spain and was crowned queen, she sentenced Lady Jane and her husband, Guilford Dudley, to death. Yeah. They were usurpers. <laughs> Lady Jane was only 16 years at the time of her execution. Numerous male members of her family were also beheaded at the tower, so they gathered up a lot of them, including her husband. After his execution, Guilford Daly's remains were carted past the room where she was held. Oh, my gosh. The poor little thing. Undoubtedly, she witnessed this and knew she was about to meet the same fate. At the scaffold, she was blindfolded and had trouble locating the chopping block, asking... What shall I do? Where is it? She was asking to be helpful. Mm. Isn't that just sad? Mm. There's a famous painting of that. Is there? Yes. I remember seeing it in the Australian Art Gallery. It's just heart-wrenching. It's heart-wrenching. Yeah. You think of like those of you who have children, 16-year-old, married to Mm -hmm. start with, Mm -hmm. and then seeing her husband beheaded all the body come past, beheaded, mm-hmm. and then having to go out and face that. She's a brave little soul. So at the Beauchamp Tower, Dudley's ghost, that's the husband, is said to sit weeping into the night. People claim he is responsible for the word Jane that was etched into the walls and is still visible today. Oh. 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 As for Jane, she was spotted in 1957 a lonely figure walking amongst the battlements. Uh, So 1957, how did somebody look at that and go, oh, look, that's Lady Jane Grey. (laughs) I recognise her. I've seen a photo of her on the internet. Oh, no, I'm sure she was on Facebook recently. (laughs) Yeah, so Mm. I love these assumptions that Mm. I made. Mm. 
I must say before you go on, one of the most thrilling parts of my visit to the tower was walking along the, the battlements and walking along thinking that how many hundreds of people, hundreds of years before me, walked these very steps. Yeah, it'd be more than 100. It was just thrilling. And each of them had a life and a family or yeah. a journey or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. something, yeah. Yeah, and they, I mean, they they also held prisoners from the wars there and spies and things like that as well. So it's just this amazing history. Yeah. Now, this, this is an interesting one. Margaret Pohl, Countess of Salisbury. Mm-hmm. Now, she was executed but it was a botched execution. Mm. It's horrific. Her story is horrific. So when she got to the scaffold where she was to be beheaded, she refused to kneel, saying, so should traitors do and I am none. So what the executioner did is, even though she wouldn't get down, he raised the axe anyway to chop her head off. So she bolted. Good honour, as I say. <laughs> and he had to chase her around and around the scaffold, <laughs> the hacking at her oh, no. until she died a gory death. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's horrible. Her ghostly screams can still be heard on the Tower Green and a few visitors claimed to have seen a ghostly reenactment of the chase. Oh. oh, I've got goosebumps all over me on that one. That's horrible. Now, no location especially a castle or a tower, would be complete without a white lady ghost. Of course, there must be a white lady. Yes. So apparently no one's really sure who the white lady is, but she haunts the white tower. Fancy that. Fancy that. They might have, must have whitewashed her when they whitewashed the tower. <laughs> That's, she's probably in her sleeping attire. That's probably what it is. So she's in her nighty. In she's her petticoats. floating around in a nighty. Yeah. Her presence is typically announced by an overwhelming smell of cheap perfume. (laughs) So strong it has made several tower visitors sick. I wonder if it smells like these tissues I've been using, the fringe of penny. We call them old lady stink. It's just really bad. A few visitors report being tapped on the shoulder only to turn around and see nothing but a white whisk. And a smell, a stench. <laughs> a lingering, lingering stench of violets. <laughs> Four, seven, eleven. <laughs> it's like that stuff you pour into the toilet, isn't it? <laughs> that, that just lingers on and on. Anyway. Let's get on to the princes. Right. Not princess, but mm-hmm. princes. princes. The two princes. Yes, Edward V and Richard, Duke of York. Now, these boy princes were imprisoned in the tower by their horrible, revolting, foul uncle, Richard, Duke of Gloucester, otherwise known as Richard III, and purportedly murdered on his order. Mm. Most uncles are fun people. Mm-hmm. Not this one. Not this one. And they were little boys. Yeah, when the bones of two small boys were found under the stairs in 1674, most people believed them to be the missing princes and the bones were given a royal burial at Westminster Abbey. be funny if it wasn't the prince's bones. It's just two randoms who have been chucked in there and now they've got a a royal funeral. But, Mm. yeah, the figure of two lost little boys wearing nightshirts holding hands are frequently seen in the White Tower. Oddly enough, they have also been seen playing on the battlements and some claim to have heard 
children giggling. I've had children giggling come through the spirit box. And I have to say that is one of the creepiest things I have ever heard. Mm. It, it, I've even gotten goosebumps now thinking of it. So the first sighting of these two boys was in the late 15th century. And guards who were passing the stairs in the bloody tower spotted the shadows of two small figures gliding down the stairs. Mm. Oh, poor little chookies. I know. All right, we're going on to a famous one now. Famous? Mm -hmm. Right, Sir Walter Raleigh. Mm -hmm. So he was imprisoned in the tower twice. Once for a secret marriage and once... For treason. So I told you he had to get a certificate to get married. Yeah. And he obviously didn't. He's got married in secret. Following his execution, his ghost began wandering around the bloody tower where he was imprisoned, as well as along the battlements known as Rayleigh's Walk. Rally's Walk, sorry, Rayleigh, mm-hmm. Rally. That battlement's getting busy up there, isn't yes, it? There's, yes. there's lots of ghosts up there. Yep. Did, did you feel anything or just the wonderment? There were there were one or two spots. If you ask me now where they were, I wouldn't be able to tell you. There were one or two spots where I really did feel a presence. They were outside. They weren't within any of the towers or in any of the buildings. They were absolutely outside. But I can say that even during the day, even with all of those people there, there were presences that I felt. Mm. And just this one's a little quickie. Mm-hmm. The Grey Lady. Yeah. That was quick, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Nobody knows who she is, but she's a well-known resident of the Queen's House. The Grey Lady will only reveal herself to the lady visitors. Oh, okay. Then we've got Arabella Stewart. And I've got some relatives of the Stuarts. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're directly related. Absolutely. Anyway, King James I did not give his permission for Arabella to marry William Seymour. There we go again. Uh-huh. Nephew of Lady Jane Grey. Enraged at the insult. Oh, hang on. Lady Jane Grey. And we've got the Grey Lady just above it. I wonder. <laughs> no, no. She's putting, she's putting bits together. <laughs> Oh, no. I've just solved the mystery of who the grey well, lady is. see, her husband, her husband haunts the other place. Mm. She was the one beheaded. No one talks about her anywhere else. So let's make, let's let's, make it up. Let's make it up <laughs> and say Lady Jane Grey yep. is the grey lady. There you go. There you All go. Right. So the king was enraged at the insult that they didn't get permission Mm -hmm. and perceive the marriage as a possible threat to his throne. So James I put both Lady Arabella and William Seymour in the tower. Now they attempted to escape, but Arabella's ship was intercepted and she was returned to the tower. Seymour escaped to Flanders. He would never see his wife again. Desperate, she refused to eat and died of starvation in the tower in 1615. Mm. So she's apparently in the Queen's house as well. So we've got Anne Boleyn and Lady Arabella. It's got a party happening Mm -hmm. in there, Mm -hmm. but they're doing each other's hair. Wouldn't that be an awesome spot to do an investigation? (laughs) Yeah. Let's have a party. The government of the tower, who lived in those rooms from 1994 to 2006, reported a disturbing event in which his wife was pushed so violently by some unseen force that it propelled her out of the room and into the hallway. Others have reported sightings of her heartbroken ghost on the grounds of the tower, weeping. Now, look, I've got to say to you that during my visit to England and and Wales, I got confused with all the castles we'd been in. 
it, oh, I don't know just, how that happens. It's just now <laughs> one big mess yep. when it comes to my head and which castle is which because I must have been in at least 10, 10 or 15 of them by the end of the trip and it was like not another castle. I just can't. I can't go in there. <laughs> Yeah, I, that's what you're talking about. That's why we choose carefully when we go. Mm-hmm. We're going to get all the ghost stories before we, mm-hmm. we get in there. Anyway, I thought this was quite funny because this ghost was list, listed as Guy Flakes. I think they've got a typo. It's <laughs> <laughs> Guy Fawkes. Oh, right. <laughs> but they listed him as Guy Flakes. Oh, poor baby. <laughs> and apparently you can hear his screams from the council chamber in the White Tower where he was prepared for his execution. Lots of screaming going on. (laughs) Oh, now this, ah, the smothering force. Oh, now this is actually allocated to some armour, King Henry VIII's armour. So it was in the White Tower, which is the oldest of the tower structures, Mm -hmm. and people who come within the vicinity of this armour report a horrifying crushing sensation as they enter the gallery and the minute they leave the building, the feeling disappears. Mm. Because the the weight of some of this armour Mm -hmm. is massive. Mm -hmm. And they do. They have all the armour on display. They have the armour that they would have put on the horses and they have children's size armour as well. So guards have also reported being physically accosted by some unseen force. One was covered and strangled by a heavy cloak. Oh. So this cloak's come... I'm just having a vision of Harry Potter. Harry Potter, yeah. As a cloak comes flying across and wraps it around his head and Mm -hmm. only once he managed to free himself that he realised he was alone. He thought somebody was playing a joke on him. Wow. That'd be terrifying. It would be. Another stopped to have a little bit of a rest. His feet were a bit sore, so he took off his shoes when a voice behind him whispered, There's only you and I here. (laughs) Can I add, I want to suck your toes? (laughs) (laughs) No. No. Whether the spirit in the White Tower is King Henry VIII himself or some other malevolent being, he wouldn't recommend a trip to the White Tower alone. So why is he saying malevolent being? If they're just giving people the sensation of what it was like to mm-hmm. have that armour put on them. Mm-hmm. And crushed. And crushed. And, and, I mean, you could have been crushed in a fall and your horse could have landed on you. Yeah. Yeah. And as for sitting down and removing your shoes because you've got sore feet, I'd, I'd be scared of the person who did that because it's sort of a little disrespectful. Absolutely. If they're one of the guards mm-hmm. that are in there or mm-hmm. something, and it'd be like, come on. Get yourself together. Don't do that. That's not appropriate. So I don't know why they'd say it's malevolent. (sighs) One of my pet things that I don't like. All right. Now, you you were banging on a lot about the zoo. The zoo. Apparently the most bizarre phantom of the Tower of London is that of a bear that once lived in the royal menagerie. In 1210, King John established a menagerie of animals, as we were talking about, Mm -hmm. and they were used in fights for Mm. spectators' amusement. Oh, no, that's just horrible. Mm -hmm. And in Romania, remember at Grand Castle, they had a bear pit Mm -hmm. where they put the bears in and they'd fight to death. Oh, humans are horrible people sometimes. So apparently there is a bear 
ghost, a spectral bear. But it's it's not only that. Visitors reported the cries of animals, including lions and monkeys. And one guard at the tower is the one who thinks he saw a spectral bear charge at him, only to disappear as soon as he stabbed at the creature with his bayonet. The guard was carried senseless to his quarters where he died two days later. Oh. So that was mm-hmm. the same mm-hmm. story that we had in your soundscape. Soundscape. Yeah. And yeah. he would have died from just being terrified. Yep. Died of fright. So some of these stories have come from the authenticvacations.com. Now, this is a story from a psychic, right? Mm-hmm. It was published in the Daily Mail. Mm-hmm as evidence mm-hmm. of ghosts at the Tower mm-hmm. of London. And did you say it's the Daily Mail? <sighs> yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. The eerie images were captured by medium and psychic artist Christine Hamlet, 58, who believes the picture is of the boys. She reached out during a visit to this tourist attraction and she was trying to tap into the energy of the boys and she took a photo When I turned this photo into black and white, I was stunned. I could see the figure as clear as day. He looks to be a teenage boy, aged between 14 and 16, walking along the tower with his head bowed. Now, I will put this picture up for you guys. You can have a look when this story goes live. It's a full landscape picture taken from quite a distance. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And she zoomed in and zoomed in and zoomed in to this pixelated little spot mm-hmm. that looks like the stones of the tower, mm-hmm. which just happened to make it look like it could be someone. There is no way on this earth it looks like <laughs> a 14 to 16-year-old boy. Yes. But I suppose if she in her mind has called out to the boys and asked for them to appear in her photo which we've only got her word for. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be horrible, Christine. This is just my my mind that goes there. <sighs> that sounds just a bit like I'm special. <laughs> look what I managed to do. Anyway, I will put that photo up. You guys have a look and let me know. And that's it? That's the evidence? That's that's, that's that little bit of evidence? That's it? Well, this is the problem with this story is that it's stories. So mm-hmm. many stories have been related because they don't run ghost tours there from what I could see. They run some twilight tours. Mm-hmm. But as for investigations, I... Oh, my gosh. I mean, talk about a site that would be perfect for ghost tours. Oh, no. You could be running five a night. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could be wrong. They they may, I just couldn't find anything in the, mm-hmm. the quick look that I just did there, but it's the daytime tours that they're packing them through. Yeah. But it, it does help them to maintain these stories of the ghosts because people are fascinated by this stuff and it draws people from all over the world. That is true. But look, there was a little bit of a theory on the, the soundscape that we had at the opening. Mm-hmm. It sounded, that whole thing about that light Mm-hmm. Sounded like ball lightning. Mm-hmm. So the definition of ball lightning is an unexplained phenomena described as a luminescent spherical object that varies from size, from pea size to several meters in diameter. They're usually associated with thun- thunderstorms. Ball lightning is said to last considerably longer than the split second flash of a lightning bolt. So this, because they were talking about like a tube of some form or other. Yes, a tube, a luminescent tube. Hmm. And it came into the room and it moved around the room and went behind the mother 
and then it shot out, mm-hmm. I think, if I remember correctly. And it it does sound like it could have been ball lightning because there's there's many stories of people who have had ball lightning come into their house. Mm-hmm. Now, another theory for the amount of hauntings at these loca- locations was firstly they're retelling the stories over and over and over, mm-hmm. which in itself can create these entities. Yes. It's it's interesting that we have a lot of famous ghosts. Goats? <laughs> ghosts? <laughs> well, that's true. There There isn't a scrubber woman that seems to appear and scrubs the floors or... Yes, we have a white to- lady the, and a, the toilet person. And a grey lady. <laughs> but you imagine that some of the servants there would have been treated horribly and yes. cruelly and mm. you would think their spirits linger there as well, but we never hear about them. We only mm. hear about the famous ghosts. But... Particularly with the the structure of this building, it's made out of stone, right? Mm -hmm. And we have the stone tape theory. Mm -hmm. So the stone tape theory is the speculation that ghosts and hauntings are similar to recording on a tape player and that mental impressions during emotional or traumatic events can be projected in the form of energy or recorded onto the rocks and other items and replayed under certain conditions. Mm-hmm. So like that's why they say like the anniversaries and things like that can trigger or it might be atmospheric mm-hmm. that can trigger the replay of these events. So that is one of the theories of why these hauntings are there because this whole thing is a big stone structure. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it is a money-making thing. It is and it would cost an enormous amount of money to keep that going. The yeah. omen of the guards, all of that, that yeah. has to be paid for and looked after. And, of course, the country pays for it. Mm-hmm. So is it a true haunting, Renata? I think some of them might be. And it's interesting what you talked about, about the normal people, the average people the that, that would have been there. And what ghosts we don't hear about that are less than important or thought of less than important that might be awesome, Hmm. but we just don't hear about them because they didn't have status. Yeah. My issue is that there is a lot of assumptions made that the sightings that they are happening, uh, they are witnessing, are these famous ghosts. Mm -hmm. They've got no actual evidences to say, I saw the brooch that belonged to or Mm -hmm. I saw the dress that belonged to. Mm -hmm. It's just a hooded figure of that must be Anne Boleyn. Mm -hmm. And the grey lady that has no features or is featureless. Yeah. Uh, We would need to know a lot more, as said, with the amount of research that we have done, it's not nearly enough to come to any sort of real conclusions. Yeah, we've just scratched the surface on this. Scratched the surface. I would love to spend time there. That's absolutely 100% 100% certain. And with the history and the longevity of a building like that, I, there's got to be something there. There's got to be ghosts. There's got to be ghosts. And I want to find them all. And that brings us to the end of this episode of True Hauntings. Thank you for joining us. I'm Anne Rekovich and she is... Renata Daniel. And next week, who knows where we're going because we can't remember what's on the list, but please, if you could share this podcast about, it doesn't cost you a cent to do that, but it means the world to us that more people get to listen to our little journeys that we put out every week. And make sure that you have subscribed to whatever it is that you're listening on and and activate the bell or the alarm warning system to let you know, oh no, they've released another one, so that you never miss out on an episode. Uh, Also, don't forget you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. It's always under Anne and Renata. Not difficult to find, but 
we thank you for joining us and we shall see you on the dark side. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube.